Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome into this latest edition of the Steelers Fix, brought to you by the Steel Curtain Network. My name is Jeremy Betts, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Wilbar. And we've got a special episode here uh, on the Steelers Fix. We like to say that we like to uh, take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, from a roster development perspective. And uh, we're hitting that good and hard today. And I just wanted to let everybody know before you jump in here, Andrew, that uh, because of some uh, obviously holiday plans that uh, you and I both have uh, just to align our schedules, we are actually recording this before the Steelers play their Saturday game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So keep that in mind as we're discussing this topic that we have not actually seen the game as we're recording this. So we're not going to break down that game for you. There's going to be plenty of, of content at the Steel Curtain Network that you can check out breaking down that game. Uh, but Andrew, what we're going to do is we're going to really dive into this roster building thing and we're going to take a look at the thing you do every year. Mock draft season for Andrew Wilbar has started and we're going to dive into mock draft 1.0. Andrew, how you feeling after your first mock of the year? What you, what you thinking? I'm feeling good. It's always like that little Christmas gift that, you know, it's kind of like that homemade gift that you have. You know, sometimes it's not always the prettiest gift that you get. It's not always... You know, it's something it's it takes a little bit of time to put together, but sometimes maybe if I don't know if your daughter's done this for you before, made a homemade gift and given yep. it to you of some sort. Uh, you know, it, it's one that still gets you excited, even if it's not something that may be like the flashiest gift in the world. Gets you excited. That's what a mock draft is. It's completely homemade, right. but it's something new, it's something original, and it just reminds you that NFL draft is coming before you know it. It is, man. Uh, I was just looking at Senior Bowl tickets because I'd like to maybe try to go down mm-hmm. there this year um, and see see that, see if maybe I can get some creds, some uh, credentials for, for that. Um, potentially, we'll see how that goes. I- I'm looking ahead, so that way I can get ahead of the curve. But um, hey, uh, for those listening who are like, oh, these two local yokels, don't, they don't really know the draft. They don't spend a lot of time. Give us a break. I mean, <laughs> we look at this in depth, especially Andrew. This is Andrew's baby. It's the draft. This is what he lives and breathes for. This is his Super Bowl. And so, uh, Andrew, just so everybody knows, uh, how long did, did you take on this 
specific one, maybe not in the actual, Hey, I started it. I wrote it out, but how many, how much time did you spend uh, getting info on these players and, and, and studying over the team needs of each, each individual uh, squad, because let's face it, you're a Steelers fan, right? So um, that's technically the team you follow most, but when you're, when you're talking uh, the NFL draft, uh, it all kind of meshes together. I think when you look across the league and uh, so how, how long did you spend putting this one specifically together? This one, if I had to put a rough estimate on everything from the needs to projections, everything, I would say probably good 20 to 30 hours. Yeah. In this one, and the first one, it's not the projection in and of itself from team to team. I don't take quite as much time on because you know it's all going to change. It's really just getting people familiarized with the top prospects and the potential team needs. Hey, this is a need right here. This player could be on the board at that time. I'll mock him there. Not going to spend too much time on trades. I think I had three in the first round, but I'm not the first mock draft is not trying to nail predict what I think is going to happen because some of these players may still return to school. You're still kind of guessing with this first one. It's just kind of to get everyone in the mood just kind of pinpoint a lot of fans that have already given up on their hopes for this season yeah. <laughs> and turn it toward the draft as just in a couple of weeks, you're going to have 90% of fan bases. That's what they're going to be doing, focusing yeah. on draft content. And I mean, this is the end of the season. Bowl season is here. Yeah. People are actually looking for specific draft prospects in the college football yes. playoff. And outside of that, you're, I mean, senior bowl is literally just one month away. So we're right upon the heels of, the pre-draft process heating up. And that's kind of where mock draft 1.0 is. Matt Miller, I believe, came out with his a week or so ago. I haven't had a chance to look at his, but I know he came out with one. And Mel Kuypers usually comes out at the beginning of the year, somewhere in there. So this is kind of just a ramp-up session when everyone's coming out with those original mocks. Uh, but it's just good to get the blood flowing again. Yes, absolutely. There's still a lot to be decided uh, across the league. You've got teams, and, and the very first team we're going to discuss here that has a massive decision to make at the game's most important position. And so let's let's use that as kind of our jumping off point here um, to d- dive into this draft. I'm, I think you're, this is going to be a surprise, maybe, to some people, um, what you did at number one, where the Bears actually have the Carolina Panthers projected number one overall pick at this point because of the trade last year that ended up getting the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, a decision that they can't be very confident in right now. But, man, this Bears team, they've got a lot to decide at their quarterback spot. Do you have the Bears going quarterback at first, or do they pivot and and go elsewhere to help Justin Fields in a big year for him in 2024? I have them going a different direction. I have them taking my number one player in the draft, and probably yours as well, and Marvin Harrison Jr., he the, Jerry Judy is the highest graded receiver I've had. I think since I've been doing this, wow. I think Marvin Harrison jr. I, I could be forgetting someone, but that's the first one that comes to mind is a guy that I had surefire top three guy in the draft. Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to have a higher grade than Jerry Judy. And obviously mm-hmm. Judy hasn't quite lived up to expectations, but he's still become a yeah. solid NFL receiver. The floor and the ceiling are so high for Marvin Harrison jr. And when you look at the bears roster, they could use, they could afford to add some to their interior line and could potentially bring in someone to compete with Braxton Jones at left tackle. They have two first round picks to do it. If they say bring in a left tackle and then they get an offensive, I believe they have five picks in the first three rounds, something like that. They have a lot of draft capital this year. They can get a good guy in the second round, like a Graham Barton from Duke, um, a guy who's kind of been underrated under the radar for most part of the season, but as a guy who just does his business, bring him in at guard pair him with a left tackle, 
and get Justin Fields, a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., to pair with yeah. DJ Moore on the outside. There's a lot you can do on that offense. And I know a lot's going to be predicated on who they bring in as head coach. I think if if the sun happens to where they were able to get Jim Harbaugh in, then you have to consider even more taking Harrison at one. And then with your second pick, take J.J. McCarthy if he does declare yeah. for the draft. That's the scenario we can get into when all this happens. But more than likely, Eberflus is not coming back as that head coach. So we'll see yeah. what the direction they go. But we've seen Fields play, and he's a top 12 NFL quarterback when he's healthy and at his best. They just need to give him a little bit more support. And I think he can lead them uh, to new to new heights that they haven't seen yet with Justin Fields. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you've got to be if, – if Fields does end up coming back to the Bears – you've got to be thinking that he's going to be pounding the table to the point of breaking the table for Marvin Harrison Jr., former teammate um, that he would have a chance to to reunite with and and maybe make some magic with. I think that Justin Fields here, um, when, you, when you look at the last three games of the season, maybe no player in the league has more riding on these last three games than Justin Fields and maybe no team has more riding on these last three games than just than the bears, uh, what they're going to do with all of the, these decisions they have to make. Um, the other option here, Andrew, that I'm sure you'll, you'll venture into further on is that if they don't go for one of these top quarterbacks, maybe somebody gives them an offer. They cannot resist to move back a couple spots and maybe they still could land a guy like Marvin Harrison jr while other teams are clamoring for quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, the Patriots are projected to have the number two overall pick in, uh, I, I think you went with uh, Tankathon's projected draft yep. order. Is that correct for this mock? Yep. Okay, so uh, Tankathon has the Patriots right now and going quarterback, but did you go with Caleb Williams out of USC or Drake May, who might make a push for that QB1 slot? As, as we continue throughout the draft process. I did go with Williams here for now. I think that he is, because he is the consensus number one guy, he makes the most sense. I do think that if Bill Belichick stays around, Drake May would make more sense just because Belichick has never been the type for the off-scripted type yeah. players. And Caleb Williams is very much off-script, make things happen away from what the original play is. Whereas Drake May is a little bit more your prototypical pocket passer with mobility. He can run it. So don't think that he's, you know, just a statue in the pocket, but he is more the prototype guy that Bill Belichick would like a guy who's going to stick to the script a little bit more often, not going to make not going to take liberties that aren't given to him by his head coach. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Bill Belichick. There's talks that he may not return. So there's a lot that could happen in new England, but for now, I think you still stick with Williams, not a fan of his attitude this year, not a fan of really the way he played in general. He wasn't a huge difference maker for USC down the stretch. Decision-making was questionable at times, but still the talent is undeniable. If he gets into the right system, if he can get his head on straight and remain focused at the task at hand, you're talking about a guy who has the talent to become one of the best quarterbacks in the league in very short order. Yeah, I think you saw him trying to do too much this season, um, try to prove that he was the guy. And and. I think he just needed to settle in and play his game a little bit. So that's going to be questions teams are asking themselves. And don't don't think it doesn't matter, too, um, if you're w- listening to this or, or watching the draft process as it's going to come come along here, that don't, don't forget uh, or, I guess, undervalue the fact that the Panthers just went after an undersized quarterback in round one last year with the first overall pick. 
And you have to be disappointed with what you've seen from Bryce Young so far. Not that he can't turn it around, but does that dissuade some of the hype around Caleb Williams as the draft draws closer? Because once official measurements come in, um, Williams, I don't think is going to surprise anybody by the, and everybody's gonna say, Oh yeah, he's actually like six, two and, and two twenty. I don't think that's going to be the case though. Once you get this guy in an actual, uh, combine measurement room so we'll see how that plays out you did go quarterback again though with the cardinals uh who are projected that number three pick and you did go with drake may the quarterback out of north carolina why are the cardinals moving on from kyler murray for drake may i think a lot could just have to do with system i'm curious what jonathan again in this new look front office wants to do it seems as if I mean we've we've heard rumors for a couple seasons now kyler murray is he really happy in arizona is he not I think if Drake May falls to three, which in most mock drafts he's not, usually of the quarterbacks going one, two. I think if he comes to three, this is a situation almost like when they took Kyler Murray to take away from Josh Rosen because they thought they had just a better guy there, a guy with more upside, a guy that could potentially take them to a new place. With Kyler Murray, I guess the big question for them would be, has he plateaued? And you know, how much do we have to put around him in order for him to take us to the places mm-hmm. that we want to get to? With Kyler Murray, I know that there's a little bit of an injury concern, but a guy like that would have a market. I think he would have more of a market than a guy like, say, Justin Fields, if the Bears were to trade him. If that if the Bears could get a first for Justin Fields or an early second, imagine what Arizona could get for Kyler Murray. You got to think they could get a first, maybe a second as well. Yeah. And you think of teams like even the Steelers that could be on the border. You know, do we keep Kenny Pickett? Do we not? You have teams that are you know, they're looking at these bridge quarterbacks and asking themselves, you know, should we consider going for somebody else? I think Tyler Murray would have a market. And if you, then you just kind of have to weigh the risk. Can we? Is it worth it to get extra picks and build around Drake May, or use our one pick to maybe get an offensive lineman or fi- fix this defense that's been absolutely terrible? I just don't know if you can do it with one pick. That would be a situation where if you're not taking a quarterback, I think you'd have to trade back. But for now, yeah. I just decided to give them May. And I, I just I don't know how well, good that relationship is right now in Arizona between Murray and the front office. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will be watching that with with close eyes. Uh, I think of the uh, commanders who have the the next pick in this draft as a team that could make a play for a guy like Kyler Murray because they're mm-hmm. just outside of yeah. that zone where you think um, they would be able to uh, justify drafting a quarterback after the first two are gone. Um, and so maybe they, maybe they're willing to, um, ship a, a, a pick over to, um, the Cardinals for, for Kyler Murray, not necessarily saying that fourth overall pick, but maybe they could package something together for him. You, uh, but they're in a spot where new ownership, uh, a spark, they have money to spend this off season. They don't have an expensive quarterback on the roster already. They can make a play there. Uh, let's kind of, uh, you've got another quarterback going at number six to the Giants. Yeah, you have another quarterback going at number six to the Giants, and we'll get to him in just a second. But real, real briefly, uh, in between that, uh, you have uh, Commanders at number four taking Dallas Turner Edge from Alabama, and then you got the Bears with their second pick of the first round taking Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle from Penn State. Uh, so just briefly, give us a. Uh, a rundown on these two players and why you think they're a fit for each of the, those squads before we get to the next intriguing quarterback pick here. 
Yeah, you think with Tur- with Turner specifically and the, the need that Washington has there after losing both Montez Sweat and Chase Young at the deadline, they really need to replenish talent there. I don't know. if I think Ford's a little bit too high for Turner personally, but you do look at his production he's had this year. He did have nine sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. It's really going to come down to how he performs in the college football playoff. He has a big part and a big win that Alabama could have potentially over Michigan. I think then you're looking at a guy who's going to be rising up. This isn't a great defensive draft at the top. You have a lot of guys who are projected to do well. You think of Jared Verse. You think of JT Tuimolowal. A lot of these guys just didn't perform as well as you thought. And Dallas Turner could be a beneficiary of it. He didn't perform great, but he was solid throughout the season. He is the most consistent of any of these guys. And I think his athletic testing could bump him up high enough to where we see a team maybe reach from a tiny bit. But if Washington doesn't take a quarterback again, they could be a team that moves back and could still get a guy like Turner. Just didn't find really a great partner. And then with Bashanu, Braxton Jones just needs to be pushed a little bit more. Darnell Wright was a fantastic pick for them last year. He's been great. But they got to find another bookend. They need an interior is really big for Chicago, but you don't have anyone that you would want to take this high along the interior. So I gave them the tackle for Shanu. Really was flawless in past coverage this season, the last two seasons, for real. Uh, Still young, still moldable, but really he can come in from day one and be one of the best left tackles in that division. Yeah, he's he's as clean a prospect at offensive tackles we've seen in a long time. Uh, Just, I, I mean... And it, it's it's so funny too because it's almost like he's so good that you don't even notice him when, yeah. when you watch it because just nothing is happening over there because he's just locking down defenders mm-hmm. like like none other. And uh, so uh, I think you you mentioned in, in your write up on the website which you can check out at steelcurtainnetwork.com or fansforsports.com uh, for the full mock draft here. Um, I think you wrote up in your mock that uh, he he would he's a top three player in this draft um, for all intents and purposes with even when you consider like the quarterbacks and everything that could go in this draft. So uh, very interesting picks there. And then the the intriguing one, I think um, quite a riser here over the course of this season at the quarterback position, the Giants scooping up rookie quarterback. Jaden Daniels out of LSU in this mock draft. Uh, Andrew, why Jaden Daniels here um, when when the Giants uh, also have a lot of needs across the board, especially when you talk skill position players on offense? Uh, what are they doing drafting a quarterback this early, and why is it Jaden Daniels? Well, the ownership in front offices implied that they may be in the market already despite having that big contract with Daniel Jones to deal with. At this point, Jones is – he is what he is. I don't see him as a guy that's going to take the Giants to a Super Bowl run, anything like that. They've tried to put talent around him. They just have a lot of injury-prone players in that offense. And, yes, they do have a lot of needs. But when you look at a guy like Jaden Daniels, how he progressed within just one year, I mean, he considered entering the draft last year. He had strongly considered yeah. it, and that was his worst season in college. If he does, he's probably a fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth, seventh-round draft pick. But he has moved up into a position where – he's going to get a lot of comparisons to a guy like Justin Fields guy who needs to learn to get off the first progression a little bit. He had a lot of one read looks. It helps having Brian Thomas jr. And Malik neighbors on your offense, but still in general, the progression he had in one year was really incomparable. I know people will say, well, it's the the same thing that happened to Joe Burrow, two totally different play styles, two totally different types of players. But when you look at Daniel's raw attributes, I wrote a film room article on him at BTSC back, I believe it was 2021. This was two years ago when he, his first year, he could have potentially declared for the draft. Uh, 
and just his dual threat ability was even on display under Herm Edwards. He just regressed there, needed a fresh start, and it, he just built upon that foundation, became much more accurate, was wiser when to use his legs, and took care of his body a little bit more. Needs to add more weight, still very slim yeah. frame. But if I'm taking a risk on any of these first-round quarterbacks, that's not a Williams or May who will be in the top five for sure. Daniels would be that next guy just because of the upside he brings. I see him as a guy who could be a Justin Fields, who at worst case scenario could be a Lamar Jackson. He has similar athleticism. And I think Daniels is already a little bit better passer. He just needs to learn to get through his reads quicker. All right. It'll be uh, interesting to see if the Giants are willing to draft another quarterback with Daniel in his name. So we'll see how that plays mm-hmm. out. All right, uh, Andrew, we're going to run through a couple picks here. Uh, just give me a couple one-liners as to why the – or just real brief things as to why they're the pick here. Uh, and then I want to get to a couple more quarterbacks before we take a break and hit the Pittsburgh Steelers pick, which in this projection is 16th overall. Uh, I think we'll hit the quarterbacks because I think Steelers fans are going to be watching that very closely this off season. That's why I want to hit that. So um, a brief summary of why these guys are going, let's rapid fire these real quick before we get to the quarterbacks. Uh, number seven, the jets, Projected here, take Joe Alt, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. Go for a six foot seven guy, man. He can he displays a fantastic pad level. I really don't know how, but he's technically sound. He's young and athletic. He's right up there with Vashana. You you can really swap these guys. Yeah. Either one of them bookends. Uh, and the Jets need offensive line help really bad. Yes. <laughs> All right, number eight, the Chargers. Man, what a disappointing season for the Chargers. Another offensive tackle, J.C. Latham from Alabama. Shoot. He's he's a little bit bigger of a prospect at 330, 335, uh, but he carries it well. He's got good mobility, and he's powerful in the run game. Not quite as technically sound as the other two guys, but a guy who still has a chance to be a franchise left tackle. You can even move him to the right side as well, kind of interchangeable. Uh, really like his fit with uh, Los Angeles. One of my favorite players in the draft going number nine to the Titans, Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. Shoot. They're sticking with Will Levis. You got to give him a weapon. And I think the only reason he could fall this far is because of that positional value. We've seen guys that have gone this high at this position before. Kyle Pitts, even TJ Hawkinson to an extent, he's been fantastic. But the just the position in and of itself, it's difficult to warrant a top five selection. But with Tennessee, you got to take the best player available that can help out Will Levis. And right now, in this scenario, it is definitely Brock Bowers. The Falcons come in at number 10 and honestly did a really good job putting together a solid defense this year. They're not really the problem there in Atlanta. It's been the offense and its inconsistencies, especially in the passing game. You've got the Falcons addressing that with Rome Adunze, wide receiver Washington. Why do the Falcons go to Rome with this one? In most drafts, Rome is the number one receiver by far. There's no Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to test really well athletically. Another big body on the outside. They have big bodies, but none of them are consistent. I like Drake London, but he can't stay healthy. And Kyle Pitts has been pretty much a bust at this point. He's he's just not been what people thought. And Atlanta at this point, if you have three quarterbacks already off the board, there's none that bring great value. I could see McCarthy potentially, but I don't like his fit in Atlanta. I think there's a chance that if Arthur Smith, for some reason, does stay around and doesn't get fired, Brian Tannehill, you got to think there's going to be some reunion there and see if they can maybe put that Tennessee magic together in Atlanta. Absolutely. All right. We're back to where we want to talk some quarterbacks real quick. And we won't spend quite as long on these guys uh, as it moves further down here. But you do have the Seahawks in a projected trade with the Packers, who are 
currently projected for this number 11 spot. The Seahawks trading up to land a quarterback here. Uh, and you went with your Michigan boy, JJ McCarthy. And then after this pick, you had the Raiders at number 12, taking Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, who had a fantastic season for Washington. And we'll see him still in the in the playoff along with McCarthy. Uh, why these two quarterbacks and why in this order and why the trade-up for Seattle? For Seattle, I, I, I kind of explain because I'm just saying in this scenario, Atlanta, they may not see the same value that the Seahawks might. I think the fit in Seattle is fantastic because McCarthy is still raw. He has as much talent as about any quarterback in this draft. He's going to run 4-4, if not worst case, 4-5 probably in the 40. Really good runner. But he's and he has a huge arm. He just needs to learn when to take a little bit off. He doesn't have great touch. That's something he can learn by sitting under Geno Smith for a year. They still have Smith. They're paying Smith a decent amount of money to be the starter there. You still have him for another year after this one. So I would say if you're if you're Seattle, this is a great situation. If Geno struggles, you can potentially throw him in there. But if not, and he's not ready, you have a capable veteran there. You could even keep Drew Locke around as well and just keep three quarterbacks. I think that's an ideal scenario for McCarthy where he can sit and develop a little bit more if he decides to declare. And then with Penix, he just seems to be a great fit for that culture there, everything. Uh, they The Raiders fans would love his dual threat ability. He's electric yeah. when he's when he's at his best. We'll see what they do with the head coaching position moving forward. Uh, but they have weapons there with Devontae Adams. They have pieces, Michael Mayer. They just need a quarterback who can spread the ball around. And Penix has proven this year with all the big weapons he has in Washington, he's proven that he can spread the ball around to many different targets. I think he'd make great sense for Vegas. Absolutely. Uh, I love these picks. I really do. Uh, and um, I'm, I've been on record here uh, specifically on social media saying that my projected uh, spot for Kirk cousins uh, this off season is either Atlanta or Las Vegas. I think that Ooh. those two spots would be a good fit for Kirk Cousins because you're in that spot where both both teams could use a vet to kind of get them through because they're not in position to pick a high quarterback necessarily that you would feel absolutely 100% comfortable with taking at uh, you know a, an early pick like that. But um, these situations obviously fall into play for these teams, and I think it could be um, an interesting prospect for them as well. All right, just in the lead up to the Steelers pick, yeah, the Saints, who are projected the 13th pick, taking Amarius Mims, offensive tackle from Georgia. A lot of offensive tackles in this draft. It's a, a very good draft for OTs. Uh, the Broncos land the 14th pick, and they land Malik Neighbors, wide receiver from LSU. Uh, and then the Packers, after their trade back uh, with the Seahawks, land one of the best names in all of college mm. football, soon-to-be pro, Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback Alabama. Um, anything stand out about these three players before we get to the break? I would say with Mims, it's the one-year wonder at Georgia. He he became yeah. that guy this year. He morphed into pretty much what Broderick Jones, he followed the Broderick Jones model and became pretty much a similar prospect to what the Steelers got in Broderick Jones last year, maybe even a little bit more developed in some areas. But I think his better fit is on the right side, whereas I still see Broderick Jones as a long-term left tackle in Pittsburgh. Uh, with Malik Neighbors, consistency from week to week. Jaden Daniels is number one target. He's great over the middle of the field. He provides stability. He's not just a stick figure out there. He's got some bulk to him. And then McKinstry, more than the name, he, he can play in different types of coverages. He's very aware. He has good instincts. He has a lot of intangibles that really bode well for the next level. It's not a great corner class at the top, but it's deep. And I think McKinstry is my – right now he is my favorite one of the bunch 
probably the favorite to be the first corner off the board. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. We're going to take a quick break here before we get to the Steelers pick. I know it's a little later in the show than typical, but we're going to do it. We wanted to break this right before the Steelers pick. And when we come back, we're going to talk Steelers in the first round, Steelers in the second round and Steelers in the third round before wrapping it up with some of Andrew's favorite picks from later in the draft. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers fix. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Steelers Fix Podcast. It's Jeremy Betts. It's Andrew Wilbar. And we are talking mock draft 1.0 from Andrew on the Fans First Sports Network. And uh, it, I think it's going to show up on SteelCurtainNetwork.com as well. Uh, so you can check it out in either location. But we're going to jump right into the Steelers pick. That's what you're here for. Uh, and Andrew, we're actually going to go three rounds deep with the Steelers. You did a Steelers three-round mock draft that is already up live on the website. Uh, and I'm going to have fun with, with this name. So I'm going to actually just going to let you say it so I can hear it the first time from you how to pronounce it. But you went with an offensive tackle from Oregon State. The Steelers continuing to load up up front. Let's let's see who it is. So I have the Steelers taking Talisa Fuaga. Talisa Fuaga. Oregon. Okay, that's easy. Talisa Fuaga. That is, a, that is of Oregon State's official website. That is what the pronunciation is saying. If we get a chance to go to the combine, Jeremy, and they may give us a different pronunciation. Those are supposed to be the <laughs> official ones. Yeah. Hope if you're a Steelers fan out there, hope that we be praying that Jeremy and I get a chance to go this year. We can both go yes. and cover it. We'll have some really good content to come back with, and we'll be sure to give that all to you. But with Fuaga, the Steelers don't typically go Pac-12 early on in the draft. But if you look at their last two first-round picks that they did, it was Troy Palomalu and David DeCastro. So when the yeah. Steelers have gone to the Pac-12, it's been pretty good. I'm not saying Fuaga is going to live quite up to that, but the Steelers have to find something on the right side of the line that is going to help them move the ball forward, whether that means moving Dan Moore to the right side permanently and seeing if he can work out with his physicality on the right side of the line or finding somebody different and just making him the swing tackle, moving Broderick Jones to the left side. I think that's the way to go forward for the Steelers, getting a pure right tackle, which I believe that's Fuaga. You don't want him on the left side, but he is a bulldozer. Oregon State, those that were paying attention to their success this season, a lot of it was predicated on the ground. I believe they averaged 196 yards per game rushing on the ground, which was fantastic. And a lot of it, if you watch a lot of the runs, it wasn't a super creative running game. It was just simple bully ball. They had a good running back, which we'll be getting into probably in next year's draft class, uh, who took on a lot. <laughs> he took on a lot of touches this past year. But they ran a lot to that right side. Yeah. And Fuaga just manhandles people. He's a truck out there. Bulldozes people. He does good. He's he's very he's not this guy who just goes away from the plan. It was very much a power gap on that right side. I don't know how well that's necessarily going to work. But he has enough athleticism, I think, to be able to play different types of schemes. I think inside zone could work, depending on who he's playing next to. And the Steelers line, when you have either a guy like Samalo or James Daniels with their athleticism, I think that gives Fuaga some some flexibility to be able to fit in multiple different types of schemes, depending on who he's playing next to. But working on those double team blocks, he does a great job pairing up with somebody else and just eliminating defensive tackles. If he's yep. sliding inside, when they want to split that B gap, 
They'll just use him. He can just he'll, he will eliminate an edge rusher from the play. And he's also really good at getting to that second level when he has the opportunity to. He can hold it off, typically in pass protection. I do have some concerns about if there's any flaw in his game. I would say it's just getting beat by speed sometimes around the edge. He's not quite the most flexible at this point. He needs to do a better job of just getting down a little bit lower on pass protection. Sometimes the speedier guys can get under him, get underneath him, get a little bit bend on him. But when you're talking about a guy who's just got raw talent and is already a fantastic run blocker, which is what the Steelers need him to be, this makes a lot of sense in the middle of the first round. I think the Steelers have a chance to hit something at offensive tackle this year because it's a fantastic group. We already talked about four tackles that went ahead of the Steelers, at least four. You're talking about a potential maybe seven tackles where Jordan Morgan from Arizona could be a first-round pick. There's Mm -hmm. other guys out there that I didn't even have in the draft that could go in the first round. It's an incredible offensive tackle class, incredible wide receiver class. And then there's positions like corner that are deep, but the Steelers could really hit home with offensive tackle in the first round. I think Fuaga is a guy not many people are talking about yet, but once you get past the combine and people get in – familiar with his background people are going to fall in love with this guy yeah absolutely go watch the tape Steelers fans and fall in love with the nastiness because he's a he's a nasty blocker on the edge uh he really drives guys off the ball um and like you mentioned uh in your write-up as well impressive nimbleness and finesse he really does move well uh for a big guy um and if he is the right tackle in Pittsburgh uh, come this off season. I think he's going to learn how to handle a speed rush pretty quickly, uh, having yep. to go against TJ Watt in practice, or uh, he's, he's not going to play well enough in practice to earn a starting role. <laughs> so yeah. he's going to have to learn quick. Uh, so that's a benefit obviously uh, going here. So I love it. Uh, it says here that you're also considering Cedric Van Prom, the well-documented center prospect that we've talked about a lot here uh, out of Georgia. And then Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Jeremiah Trotter Jr., linebacker out of Clemson, who we've talked about as well. I'm sure as the draft process goes along, we will talk about these guys uh, more in depth. But Andrew, let's jump into the second round mock here. Uh, The Steelers projected for pick 47 currently in the second round. Um, And uh, we'll we'll talk the second round and third round guys together here. Um, You went with Jalen Ford, linebacker out of Texas in the second round. And then you have the Steelers filling that center spot. Passed on Van Prawn in the first round. You have him taking care of that in the third round with Zach Frazier out of West Virginia. Tell us a little bit about these guys and why Steelers fans should look at them in, in their draft lead-ups. When you look at Ford, he just fits the prototype of what the Steelers typically go after at the linebacker position. You think of all their free agent signings from Mark Barron to Avery Williamson to John Bostick to Miles Jack to Cole Holcomb to Landon Roberts. All these guys or in that 6'1", 6'2", 240-pound range, guys that have a little bit of bulk to them, but the Steelers tried to fit them into a mold of coverage linebacker, even though in some cases that wasn't their maybe their the best part of their game. When you look at Ford, he's a guy who does have three-down potential. I'm, ex- mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what he's going to run. And linebacker did take a hit because Smael Mondin this past weekend decided that he's going to return to school. He was a guy that I had my eye on for the Steelers on day two of the draft. Uh, so he's not an option any longer. And we'll, hmm. there'll be a couple other linebackers we'll get into as the process goes on. But when you look at Ford, he he is good in the run game. He is a sound tackler, one of the best tackling linebackers in this draft. And when you watch him on the field, he does move well in coverage. Uh, you haven't. I was hoping to see a few more splash plays from him. I think he did have two interceptions this past year, uh, and he had four the previous season. 
but it's, it really can come down to athletic testing as to how high he can go. Could he potentially be a late first rounder? I don't see that right now. But if you're the Steelers and you're in the middle of that second round right now, Steelers are projected, I think, have the 47th pick in that second round, 40 pick 47 overall. I think he makes a lot of sense based upon yeah. what, what the Steelers like and to what they need. The Steelers have to find somebody else, despite, you know, even if Cole Holcomb and Delaney Roberts are back next year and healthy, you got to find somebody else who can potentially assist in coverage. And with Ford, I think the thing Steelers fans are going to like is he's not going to necessarily be this Devin Bush who could be this really good coverage line guy in coverage and run with people, but can't tackle and do the simple stuff. Ford's going to come in and do the simple stuff well, and he has the athleticism to potentially develop and extend his skills that he's already shown in coverage. It's just maybe not he's he's not elite. Like, okay, if you're looking at Jeremiah Trotter in the first round, this is a guy that has a chance to be an elite coverage yeah. linebacker, a modern-day linebacker, similar to what the Steelers had in Ryan Shazier. I, I don't know if the Steelers go that route. If they wait and go for their typical mold, I think Ford is a guy that could be on the radar. He's six foot two, yeah. 242 pounds, and he has enough frame to where he could get to 250 and probably still run pretty well. He's going to be that thumper linebacker, can do a little bit of everything, but I think he's going to come and be an immediate difference maker, unlike a lot of other linebackers in this test. may take a little bit of time for them to develop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like his play. Uh, he looks good. He, he's uh, one of these very physically imposing human beings already. Um, so uh, NFL weight room can only help him, uh, obviously. Uh, and then uh, Zach Frazier, the center out of West Virginia, just give us a little bit about him and, and why the Steelers could be looking his way if they've passed on center uh, in the first and second round. Yeah, I had I had struggled long and hard about Jackson Powers Johnson in the second. Obviously, Cedric Van Praan in the yeah. first, but – Frazier's a guy, he's going to get looks just because of his locality, where he's at, West Virginia, and his background. Steelers like guys with wrestling backgrounds. And I think when you look at a guy like Frazier, he's tough. He's tough as nails. Steelers fans are going to like this guy. He's not going to have elite testing numbers. You're talking a guy who may run a 5-3, in the 40, which is first center. It's acceptable. But he's not a guy who's going to be doing – he's not going to be the most mobile guy. Van Prana's a guy – he, he can go out and pull. He can do about anything you ask him to athletically. Frazier's not that guy, but he's going to be consistent. He's going to be a rock. And when you just look at his, his experience that he has at West Virginia, he's a guy who can come in day one. If the Steelers just up, hey, Mason Cole, thank you for your service. You're gone. And the Steelers, yeah. don't, bring any, and the Steelers don't bring anyone in. You could argue that Frazier is more ready to step in than even a Van Prom, than even a Jackson Powers Johnson, just because of his experience. I, I believe he only lost two matches in wrestling in his entire high school career. He was a state champion. I mean, this guy is a winner. And really, I mean, when you watch his tape, he very rarely makes a mental mistake. And I think a lot of that yeah. is due to his finesse that he had in wrestling, but also his physicality. He's, just a, he's got a ma- nasty, mean streak in him. He wins the old school way, straight forward, straight backward. Uh, isn't the most agile, the most nimble guy. But I, I think, I don't know if he's been pushed as much. Being at West Virginia, I don't think he's been pushed to his limits. I think if you get a coach and the Steelers are more likely going to need to find a new offensive line coach this offseason. We'll see which direction they go. But if the Steelers still had Mike Munchak, or a guy that you know, he's going to he's gonna push yeah. the, these guys to the limits. A Dante Skarnecki, a guy that they've had in New England for years. Uh, someone like that is really going to push this guy to the limits. I think Frazier has more in him than what we've seen, even at the collegiate level. He's been good at the collegiate level. But how's he going to do against supreme athletes? When he's faced against Jordan Davis, when the Steelers play the Eagles, sometime, how good is he going to be in that situation one-on-one? I'm not sure how much talent he has compared to that, but I believe he has enough physicality 
where if he adds a little bit more weight, he can just become that mauler in the run game and really be a difference maker for this offensive line moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you would have uh, Frazier as the Steelers third round pick here because um, just a couple weeks ago, I had Shannon White on the uh, Steelers Q&A and we were talking about him as one of the center prospects to keep an eye on if they uh, can't get Van Prawn because of all the things you're talking about. He's he's so solid across the board as a prospect and a very physical player and a guy that the Steelers um, and, and their fans would be pretty familiar with having played uh, as a part of the uh, backyard brawl in uh, West Virginia. So um, somebody to watch there. Uh, I, I like this a lot. I, I think that the Steelers, I think what you're going to see this offseason is, is an intense focus on the trenches. Um, and we've talked about that. And I like the fact that they have um, worked in that area. And then they've got to got to establish playmakers in the middle of the field on defense. Um, that is exactly what they're lacking the most of right now. And uh, if if a linebacker like Jalen Ford can be a part of that, that would be huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, um, Andrew, we've gotten through basically the first half of the mock draft here um and we've gotten through the Steelers picks um that you have going through so I just wanted to give you an opportunity here before um we close it out uh because I know we're uh running out of time here um give me uh, just kind of like in a in a speed round fashion just uh run through the rest of your mock draft here uh and highlight maybe a, a few players that stand out to you and, and where they're going um, and maybe uh, guys that the Steelers could also have their eye on in the first round that you had going later on. Uh, just run through some of these guys real quick before we wrap it up. Yeah, one of my favorite fits that I have in this mock is uh, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver from South Carolina to the Kansas City Chiefs. We've seen the issues Kansas City's had with their wide receiver core. They have to find another guy. They need to go free agency in the draft really at this point and replenish that offense with weapons for Patrick Mahomes. The defense is finally at a spot where it's good. Really, if they can keep that intact for next year and just get another weapon or two, I mean, this this offense is in business. There's talk maybe they could trade it for Brock Bowers. But Leggett, 6'3", 227, he had over 1,200 receiving yards this year. Kind of went under the radar by most accounts. But this is a guy that was clocked, uh, I believe it was a game against Mississippi State, at 22.3 miles per hour on a touchdown reception. This is a guy that has breakaway speed. Wouldn't shock me if he runs a sub 4-4. Some people are saying he could run sub 4-3. I don't see that quite on tape, but I think he could run in the 4-3s potentially or low 4-4s. And at that size, that's exactly what Mahomes needs. Another big yeah. target on the outside. I think he would make a lot of sense. And a guy that most people aren't familiar with, the guy that wouldn't be in most first-round mocks, Kenyon Mitchell, corner from Toledo. A guy that I have going to Dallas at pick 30. He was fantastic this year. He had... Uh, there was one game, I believe it was a year ago against the power five school. He really struggled, but for the most part, you watch his tape in general, six foot, 200 pounds. He's well-built balanced can play in man zone, whatever you want him to play. And I like him best in man, uh, but he's got great speed. You're talking to a guy who can probably run four, three. He's got quickness as well. Twitchy ability, being able to keep up with corners that he, with wide receivers that press at the line. He can move with them as they run routes. You're talking to a guy who can stick with Deontay Johnson on drag routes across the middle. Yeah. Guy who can just follow one receiver and uh, just blanket them. He has the ability to be that guy. I think he's going to be a riser during the pre draft process. Love his tape overall. Um, those are kind of the two guys that I really like. Mason Smith's kind of guy to keep an eye on because he didn't have much yeah. production this year. But I had him in the, my way too early mock to the Steelers. I have him at 29 to the Giants, getting ahead 
of Baltimore and other teams in the back half of the first that need desperately a 3-4 defensive end. There's not that many of them in this draft. And Smith is that one guy who fits the mold of kind of what the Steelers like. I think he could be a fit for Dallas. They need more help on their defensive line to pair with last year's first-round pick, my Michigan guy. Um, I am so embarrassed because I can't even remember his name at this point. I'm so up with the 2024 already. I'm totally blanking on the name. If I hear it uh, once, I will from, know it. From Dallas? Yeah, the nose tackle. I wanted the Steelers. Maisie, Maisie Smith. Ozzie. Yes. <laughs> Mozzie Smith, yeah. Yes, they need to get somebody else there that can yeah, help penetrate, there. and I think that'll open things up for Mozzie Smith. Yeah. He was okay getting in the run this year, but didn't provide much else uh, for Dallas, so they really need to add somebody else to go next to him on the defensive line. Yeah, um, Jonathan Hankins, every time that boy <laughs> misses time for the Cowboys, their run defense struggles. They need some yeah. some penetrators up up there for sure. Um, I, I think you, you, know, you had guys that we've talked about, like Jeremiah Trotter going to the Colts at 22, uh, you got Bo Nix going to the Vikings at 20. That's probably a good spot for him um, and the Vikings. Maybe a little early, but quarterbacks are going to go early in this draft. That, that's yep. just how it's going to go. Too many teams need them, and there's too many that you could talk yourself into this year yep. um, that, that will go. Yeah. Um, let's see. You did have you did have Van Praan sneaking into that first round to the 49ers. Uh, a lot of Steelers fans wouldn't like that, um, him going to uh, – the likely eventual Super Bowl champion, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, we'll see. Andrew, a fantastic first round mock. I, I thought you were very well worded in, in your um, your write ups on each of these players in, in the mock. And if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, listeners, go go read it. Um, you can find um, the Steelers three round mock on steelcurtnetwork.com. And then Andrew uh, has the has the full mock come out yet, or is that okay? Uh, yep, at least yep, by the time this runs, it, it'll be... um, I think you can get any of the team pages as well. Um, so just yep. whatever your team is out there in Steelers, yeah, you may have to search for it a little bit by the time it gets to this. Um, but if you do search the pages of fans first, it should come up if you uh search for it, yeah. Absolutely. And it's well done, well written. And there will be more of these and we will break them all down here for you on the Steelers fix. Andrew, it's been fun. I hope you have a, or I hope you had a Merry Christmas by the time uh, listeners hear this one. Uh, It's going to be a lot of traveling for me. I I know you're home already, so I hope you enjoy it. And uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Steelers fix podcast for Andrew Wilbar. I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll talk to you next time on the Steelers fix.